Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilka Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to this sixth episode of Rooted and Unwavering, welcoming uh, us from uh, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, where we're broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in uh, Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Hilke Faber. In this program, we help to connect people more deeply to their innate potential. And today, my guest is Pamela Metzen. Hey, Pamela, how are you today? Hi, Hilke. It's great to be here. Really good to be with you today as well. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, before we dive in, I want to say a few more things about this podcast. We've we've been working in this podcast to work on, like, what is it like to be connected to our true selves? And what does that take? And how do we help others do that as well, especially when we're challenged? And how do we work ourselves back, you could say, into our true shoes and be in that place. Um, so that's what we are exploring with different leaders. And I'm so glad Pamela is with us today. Uh, I met Pamela many years ago now in a conference room where we were both working for a consulting company in the space of personal transformation and organizational transformation called Excellent. I still remember you. And I think what I felt at the beginning, Pamela, uh, I still feel today that I felt so much heart so much strength, so much leadership, so much inclusivity, that everything was welcome in your presence. Uh, and that has stayed with me throughout the years. I'm going to say a few more things about you more formally, because you've also done so many things in your life. Today, you are the SVP of People and Organizational Development at Outreach, uh, where I see you working with so much heart and soul to build a culture that is truly human-centric, values-based and inclusive and helping to do that at scale, doing it in a, in a beautiful way. And you're being engaged in so many different ways, being a spokesperson for so many voices. I see you do that um, very strongly, including people from very different walks of life all the time. And then before that, uh, you were leading executive development for Amazon uh, and uh, at the very most senior level. So uh, very, um, very rich experience. And then before that, uh, you were leading the uh, leadership and culture practices for excellent all, all up North America, uh, of which I was part for a while. So you know, even a time where I was, I was reporting to you. So it's, uh, it's how funny how we all sit in different chairs at different times in our lives. So, so Pamela, I'm so glad you're here today. And so we're having this conversation about connectedness can you say a bit more, just to get us started, what is your experience with connectedness? When you hear that, what comes up for you? First, let me say thank you for having me, Hilka. I feel like um, time slows down when we're together in a, in a really positive, present way. So thank you for that. When I think about connectedness, I think about what exists that we sometimes don't see. We're wildly connected. Mm. I was in a in a offsite yesterday, and one of the facilitators used an energy stick, which is a electrical current. And he had a group of people that don't typically hold hands, hold hands, so that when all the hands were touching, the current was alive. And he would instruct just random people to release the connection, release your hand, and the electricity would go off connect again electricity on so that's the way i see it i thought it was a great oh. visual representation of we are connected and it's a choice to pay attention to and feed that connectedness right so it's a beautiful image like the circle of people connected and you know when you're in it and you also know when you're not in it yes and, and that's true also 
when we are connected to ourselves, when we are disconnected, uh, when we're connected. Actually, on my way driving here this morning, the GPS sent me into a different road, interesting, called Priest Drive, which is <laughs> interesting. But I never go in that road. I was like, am I really going here? And, and suddenly I was completely in my head and totally out of my body for a moment. I breathed it. Thankfully, the light was red. So I could see where I actually was going. And then I relaxed again and things made sense again. There's a sense of harmony and completion and, and peace that, that comes online when we are feeling connected. So say a bit more for yourself, like in your own personal journey. How, how have you been learning about connection to what, what's true about Pamela, connecting to Pamela's true self? Because you've been through so much already in your life in so many different chairs and roles and ways of contributing. I, I was sharing earlier that um, I grew up in the South, like the deep South. So I think I've danced with, it's maybe more than you want to know, but I've danced with authority throughout all of my life. So I, I know I leave myself when I'm worried about what other people think. I know I leave the connection with myself when I'm trying to be right um, or on this overachieving effort to get it right. Uh, I know I leave myself and feel disconnected when I get in my head and I'm attempting to prove something um, rather than remembering that I'm inherently value, valuable, mm -hmm. that I'm I'm, that my value is constant and that there's no amount of success that can increase it or failure that can decrease it. And, and that's from a great teacher of mine, Lisa Danley. Um, but holding that, remembering that is, is definitely returning to my body, returning to embodiment. Wow, so always and already valuable, no matter what. Now, you made a reference of being born in the deep South. So maybe share a little bit about your life journey and, and how maybe in your life journey, you've been learning about being connected to that, what is always and already. So I say this with great love. Um, the, the child rearing practices in the South for the most part, this is a huge and unfair generalization, but um, my experience is it was quite strict uh, quite um, children are meant to be seen and not heard and better yet not seen, at least for the authoritative parent. There's usually a, a division of labor there. Um, I will say my, my mom taught me a ton about unconditional love. So lots of love to my mother. And, um, and I learned that in order to survive, you had to figure out very, very quickly what people in authority wanted, whether you agreed with it or not. Um, and that didn't sit well with me. Um, I was what one would consider a precocious child, had lots of questions about a lot of things, uh, very curious, pushed boundaries, um, pushed them again to find out where they were, as, as children should do. Um, they're doing their jobs, by the way. So if you're frustrated by one of your children pushing boundaries, they're doing their job. Um, and what I learned over time is that that is a dead end road. It's a road of emptiness. Um, and I know this is a part of the natural developmental and maturational journey, but you will not reach your potential or your fulfillment by dancing to other people's music. And often for whatever reason, for many reasons, our music goes on mute and you have to find a way to locate that volume button, turn it up, adjust the bass and the treble and begin to dance to your own tune, to your own way. And if I could oversimplify it, and this is a huge oversimplification because there's been pain and failure, success, sabotage, self-sabotage, all of that is a part of the journey. Um, the oversimplification would be following your resonance mm -hmm. and being incredibly grateful for dissonance because no, not that is a powerful place to create from. Oh. No, not that. No, not that. No, not that. That's not resonant. That's dissonant. Yeah. Uh, that resonates deeply with me. Um, 
I, as you know, I love music. Yeah. It's a, such a great metaphor for me. So just thinking about what's resonant for me in this moment and what is dissonant. And that, that's very applicable. So if I think mm -hmm. about being on the road this morning, I could feel my brain going in dissonance. I'm on Priest Road. I should not be here. And then and it's almost like the world became very small for a moment. And then, ah, okay, I'm here. It's okay. And, and there's a resonance with the whole thing again. I'm not fighting against it. I'm not fighting against myself. And so I am curious, Pamela, about this precocious, <laughs> precocious <laughs> <laughs> takes one to know one right <laughs> so i want to know about the precocious child how this precocious child has been helping you to get into deeper and deeper resonance i mean as a child breaking rules like no you can't adopt the wounded bird but i will and i will bring it in and put it in my you know sock drawer and hide it until it starts making noise and um Pushing boundaries, it, it's, you know, I remember having, so I'm dating myself greatly, um, but I had a strawberry shortcake little record player. And the only record I had was um, John Lennon's Imagine on one side, a little 45, and on the other side, Strawberry Fields. And I, I love Strawberry Fields because I had a strawberry shortcake record player. It was great. But Imagine, I... I was mesmerized. I was probably seven years old. Mm. And I remember playing it over and over again, listening to the words and thinking about how that possible reality did not map to mine at that particular moment. Didn't map to anything. And it was, it's, it sounded right. Not, not magical. It actually sounded right. Mm. And I, I think that was a pivotal moment for me of, of searching for being a part of creating that challenging, uh, oppressive thoughts, challenging division, um, challenging, uh, racial segregation, challenging the place of a woman, um, challenging the collapse of role versus soul, what you do versus who you are. Mm. I say that often at work, you know, let's, let's, Let's honor the souls behind the roles. It's not interact role to role. It's interact soul to soul. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, the journey of following dissonance, of saying this doesn't feel right, what would be and how can I be a part of that? So I'm curious what dissonance in those times felt like, maybe as you were listening to John Lennon, imagine all the people living day by day. Um, and then the dissonance. What did that dissonance feel like? What does that feel like today in your mm -hmm. body, in conference rooms, in conversations, you know, as you're working at outreach or even as a child, as you were in that situation where segregation and oppression and authoritarianism, I can't even say it, authoritarianism, <laughs> Etc. <laughs> also part of what you're in, the soup you're in. So what was that? What's that like for you when you're in dissonance? It's very uncomfortable. I, I feel it in my heart and in my belly. Hmm. Like the, the belly part is, is, is anxiety. It's almost painful. I think there has been times when it's been painful. Hmm. Um, it's, it's not comfortable um, in, in coaching now, when I'm coaching someone and I, I feel that the, the call to speak, the call to, to say something, and I had to learn my voice over time, but it almost feels like a little bit of a charge. So now I welcome that feeling, but it, it, in the beginning, before I could decipher it, before I knew what action to take, before I felt empowered, and that would be from me. <laughs> Um, until I gave myself permission to start, start speaking my truth and listening to my truth and honoring my truth, not, not from a place of I'm right, but that I, I am dishonoring myself if I don't, if I stay silent, I'm dishonoring my wisdom 
the wisdom of my body if I stay silent, if I don't speak. And, and it doesn't always go well. Um, so you, you know, the concept of success beyond success. So measuring my, my success by having spoken, not what that creates, because that's a, that's a roller coaster. That's a precarious place to put my self-worth, but I can, at the end of the day, you know, look myself in the eye and say, at least you spoke your truth. Mm, It's very uncomfortable very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And yet so almost unavoidable. Yeah. From what I can tell from what you're saying, like this sense of, I once, I I love that you said empowerment that I gave to myself. Mm. So I'm choosing to listen and to speak and to use my voice. And it's interesting because like I, I want you to maybe say a bit more about that because I know part of my mind, I'm a little bit monk-like, as you well know. <laughs> so when something doesn't feel right for me, what I do is I meditate, I sit down, I clean up my own inner thoughts and beliefs and get back into what I think is presence or what I feel is peace or alignment. And then maybe I'll speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what I hear you say is almost something that's a little more direct, where you use the voice almost like a singer to create alignment inside and out. Now, I might be totally off on the tangent here, but I would like you to say a bit more about how using your voice helps you to be more connected to truth and maybe also help others. It's such a great question because... I'll extend your metaphor of the singing. Um, And it's not to sing off tune or not blend with the other singers because people are also singing their song. But to insert with directness, and I would even reframe the directness as honesty, Mm. transparency, Uh, part of presence actually I'm gonna I'm not gonna leave the room with my thoughts I'm gonna stay embodied in the room even if it's a virtual room by by singing my my voice finding my voice and inserting it there is the urge and following the action give yourself wild permission to do it uh, uh, in a very fumbly way awkward way clumsy way in the beginning and you could even preface it by saying this may not come out right I'm not sure I have my thoughts all together. Give me a moment here. Stay with me. Mm. What if? Mm. And to be able to find a way to insert what you're feeling, the urge that you have with respect, not making people wrong, mm. but but also not acquiescing or <clears throat> excuse me, leaving the conversation or or withdrawing. Yeah. I love that. So I'm curious, in what situations do you find speaking from connectedness easier? And in what situations do you find it maybe a little harder or maybe even almost like too much? Because we all have those zones, I think, of like where we're willing to go. Mm-hmm. So can you say a bit more about yeah, what is, what is comfortable for you? Or maybe it's always, maybe I'm making this up. That's entirely possible too. No, not always comfortable. Um, and, and I think it, this is the irony, and I hope I can articulate this well. Um, the more connected I am to myself, the more able I am to speak my truth with connectedness. Hmm. If I'm disconnected from myself and simply just activated, we can call it ego we can call it um, attachment to my thoughts or my, my way or my how. My, it could be a strong opinion. If I'm somewhat disconnected and I'm in my head, it often doesn't go well. And I, I have a bit of a fight versus a blend and lead or uh, mm-hmm. inserting myself in a, in a connected way. I also, I also see, I think wherever you go, there you are 
um, that the authoritarian, so if there's a, if there's something at risk for me, mm-hmm. it can be harder. I think that's a human place to be that if I feel that this could be a potential trade-off, although I have had in my life, in my career, many, what I say, badge on the table moments, like where I'm willing to put my badge on the table and mm-hmm. walk out. Like this is something that is from an in, a place of integrity, important enough to, to stand behind, even if there is loss. I hear such a through line here in your, your telling us today about staying in integrity to your truth and thinking about the little child with the strawberry shortcake record player and imagine all the people in that situation and then you being in meetings where you're connected to the imagination of your heart or the truth of your heart and then you see things around you that are different Uh, and being able to uh, love that like put your badge on the table. Is that what you're saying? I think mm-hmm. it's to put your badge on the table. I'm very curious. Can you say maybe an example of when you left your badge on the table without, of course, with, with honoring the people and confidentiality, all these things. Yeah. Can you describe an example that might be good for all of us to, to hear? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, there's many, many examples coming to mind. <laughs> like lots of badge on the table moments. Um, I, I think one that I can share is honoring the human beings in a system. Like when the human beings, although we have to deliver as organizations, we have to deliver results. Like we, we know that quadrant or axes or, you know, tensions that we're managing, the polarities of delivering the organization. And I... Anybody who knows me, especially in my current role right now, knows how committed I am to that delivery results. And I can see high performance as an expectation of high performance can be an expression of care. And when humans become just a way to get to the outcome, you lose me. Like that, that is not the place for me to express my purpose. When, um, when we are focused on how much we can get out of someone rather than them becoming better as a human being, better at their craft as a result of working where we work and the choice to be there, Mm. you lose me a little. You don't lose me when we're expected, people are expected to do their job and to do it well and to bring their all. Like that's, that's exciting for me. That, that's, that's awesome. It's the, it's the, when we forget that they're people, when we forget that they also have that inner child that they're trying to protect. When we forget that they're someone's child, mm. when we start treating people the way we would not want our children to be treated, mm. we've mm. lost the thread and I will put my badge on the table. I love that. Putting the badge on the table. Um, and it's interesting because I feel this, um, energy, and you've told me in the in the past that kind of this mama bear energy, uh, like that. Just like, <laughs> and I have deep respect for that that energy that that's sort of unflinching in this call in this podcast of unwavering energy that's rooted in you. And so, can you say more about maybe a situation, maybe a particular situation where that happened? Where, where you had to do that and maybe guide us a little bit through what's going on in your head and heart as that's happening because mm-hmm. I can imagine that's not an easy task to do. No, it's it's not because um, there's loss involved. You know, there's loss of status. There's loss of uh, sunk cost bias, you know, of investment in a system. Um, he- here's the, the journey and again, it's going to be high level out of deep respect for um, the prior you know, organizations. But um, the moment at which I looked in the mirror and realized my staying was condoning behavior and that that said more about me than it said about the organization or the system. Mm. That's the moment. 
it's not in the moment of disagreement. The moment of disagreement is that dissonance, you know, that where I, I described the anxiety and most painful belly, like just not comfortable. I'm not settled. I'm not grounded. I'm not, don't feel myself. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can access my best self, slightly disconnected from my heart. But the moment when you decide staying says more about you than the system, mm-hmm. then it's a, you drop into groundedness, clarity, truth. And I wouldn't say it was easy, mm. but it was clear. Mm. It was clear. Mm-hmm. Staying says more about me than about the system. I'm going to remember that. Staying about staying says more about me than about the system. And there's a great clarity. And I hear almost a relief in the way you're speaking. Mm-hmm even though that's not easy, but that's a relief. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, that is like a, a pretty big shift. I'm inferring, you know, choosing to walk out of a situation or a system or organization. Um, I'm also wondering what happens when you do this in conversation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, you, it's, you're almost talking about it as, well, that's maybe a little easier. <laughs> Maybe it is, mm-hmm. but can you say a bit more about how that works for you? That staying connected in those uncomfortable conversations where you feel that dissonance. I'm thinking as you're asking that, how, uh, how much easier it is to support a client to do this than to do it yourself. So I'm, I'm just humbled by that awareness in this moment. But um, what is more important? You know, that, that, that's the question. Mm is 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 what's more important Hmm. what will you have be more important than looking good being in harmony in that moment agreeing when you disagree which is dishonest um Mm -hmm. so what i have be more important in those moments is it's actually connectedness (laughs) i mean it, it I don't know, pardon the pun, pardon the like, you know, force connect, but it actually is connectedness. In order for me to stay connected to you, I need to tell you where I stand. In mm-hmm. order for our relationship to be clean, mm-hmm. I need to be able to tell you what's on my mind, even if it's unskillful or even if you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in an organizational setting, I think, I think we miss that because we, we've, we've conflated that as a disconnect instead of a connecting moment. Mm. Mm. So I think intellectually we know this, mm. viscerally we know this, but somehow we've made up that not speaking our truth makes us like being nice is mm. closer instead of being real is closer. Being uh. avoiding difficult conversations stays, you know, is the glue that keeps the relationship. Ugh. That's toxic for relationships, including in organizations, including work relationships. The more you can be real, transparent, and and willing to be wrong, you know, know that you're you're holding maybe two percent of the truth, but but speak and you know deconflate your opinions versus the truth, facts. Mm-hmm. But it actually comes back to connection. In order for me to stay connected to those I'm spending the most amount of time with, I need to be able to speak my truth. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. That that paradox of connecting by saying things that might seem disconnected or disconnecting by disagreeing or by saying something that we think may not be liked. And I love that you make this distinction. Being liked does not equal being connected. Being connected means being truthful, really showing up as you. So let's explore that more and also how you think about helping others doing that because I know you're in your current role also uh, helping to catalyze a culture where that's true and that's being practiced. Uh, So when we come back after the break, let's dive more into there. And I thank you so much, Pamela, for your insights this morning already. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership 
team and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. Well, thank you. And so if you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Pamela Madsen in Rooted and Wavering. Pamela is the Senior Vice President of People and Organizational Development at Outreach. And we've been talking about connectedness and how being in our truth is a prerequisite, uh, the foundation of to be connected to ourselves and to each other. So uh, thank you again, Pamela, for your insights. So let's go into this a little deeper. So you talked a lot about, I need to do this. Then how do you create a culture or do you create a culture where that's one of the lighthouses? A hundred percent. I, I don't think that organizations, especially in the multiple compounding pressures right now, you know, from the market to, you know, the residual impacts of the pandemic to uh, social and racial and political unrest. Um, I don't believe that we can create what we're after creating um, and meet these growing expectations of our employee base um, as they become more and more aware um, the the blurred lines of personal and professional without this transparency, without this ability. And it's one of our core values. We are honest. And the we are honest core value is first I'm honest with myself. So I can't be honest with you unless I'm honest with myself. Mm -hmm. And it also includes being able to admit failure or, or missed expectations or ownership. Um, another, another value of being able to own this is a conversation that I should have had earlier, or, you know, this is the part that's on me. I didn't set clear expectations, mm -hmm. but the honesty piece only strengthens us. That's great. So I'm honest and I own, and you said we are honest and we owning, we are owning. So say more about how do you cultivate that? in a sizable organization how do you do that because that's a very, these are very high bars that you're talking about mm -hmm. it, it's challenging it, it's it's challenging because we have um i would say the the this is a steal from amazon a bit but uh blast radius is what we say you know positive or negative the the manager the people manager the person who there are other people in their care um, has the biggest blast radius. And so the, the capability and skill set is a huge focus of teaching managers, especially those early in career or new to the outreach system, what are the expectations of how you're holding the development, the capabilities, the, the desires, the crafts, the performance of the people in your care? How do you do that? How do you think about it? You know, for example, we, we talk about giving feedback. You know, there's one way to give feedback where you hand grenade, throw it up against the wall, or you can run around the other side and it's not a hand grenade at all. It's like, wow, look at this really cool problem that we need to solve. Let me, let me help you solve it. You know, I'm, I'm invested in your success. Mm -hmm. You know, our, we're, we talk a lot about unleashing the collective genius around you measuring your success, and this is wildly different from a high-performing leader, measuring your success based on a number of great decisions that happen when you're not in the room. Oh. Wait, 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 what? When I'm not in the room? But isn't my job to know more, do more, be the smartest person in the room? Isn't that my goal? Oh. Actually, not when you're a people leader. When you're a people leader, your job is to unleash collective genius, to transfer Mm. your judgment, give guardrails, mm. give lots of freedom for people to fail forward and learn, but to unleash the genius around you. We're not looking if there's 10 people on a team, we're not looking for one tenth effort. We're looking for 100%, 100%, 100%, sometimes 150%. Um, mm. If we're, go we're going through something really, really challenging, innovation, for example, 
Yeah. But we're, we're looking for you creating the conditions for mm. people to do their absolute the best work of their career. And whenever it's time for them to depart the system, depart outreach, they're better as a human being because they've grown. They're better at their craft and they will go make other organizations better as a result of having worked here. That's our goal. Unleashing the collective genius and then saying the decisions that are being made when you're not in the room, that's what counts. That's what mm -hmm. counts as a people manager. So how do you help people managers to connect with that being their purpose mm -hmm. and not get disconnected and run after maybe the, the shortcuts of, you know, as we all know, like, <laughs> but it's done. <laughs> Look, yeah, or, yeah. Any of these these older methods? I'm thinking back of where, like your 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 early stories about like your upbringing and the authoritarianism and all that. It's very different from from what you're speaking about here. So, how do you help people make that transition from wherever they are when they join? Or where they are when they when they encounter this to where the organization would like them to be. Again, these conversations they they always seem oversimplified. So I'm gonna say first, I know this is hard. Oh. It it feels easier to say go do. This is what you go do. Hmm. Um, it feels harder. It takes a little bit more time to hold people accountable for what they've agreed to do because you've been so crystal clear on the outcome you're after, the goal, the guardrails, the vision, the mission, um, the orientation, the lens, the pair of glasses they should be looking through as they problem solve and make decisions. And, and it's much harder to hear, I'll just use this in a very like a loose way, but what we would consider a dumb question. Why are they asking these dumb questions? And mm -hmm. hearing them as dumb questions or how can they be so off from what we're trying to achieve here and, and immediately saying, ah, oh, wow, there, there, people are not clear what we're trying to achieve. That's mm -hmm. on me. That's on me. Mm -hmm. Let me, this is a teaching moment. Every time you hear something in misalignment, every time people are not meeting expectations, you know, outside of performance issues or maybe not a, a fit for the team from a capability standpoint, but you know you've got the capability and they're not delivering, the people leader should be looking at this like juicy problem to solve, this juicy bit of feedback of, I haven't been clear with my expectations. I need to be clear. I need to check for understanding. Mm. I need to make sure they have the will, the understanding, the clear direction. Mm. And whenever there's a problem, I need to make it safe enough that problems get brought to the safest table in the room, our table, the team's table, to work through, that it is not a career-limiting move to say, I'm, I don't know how to do this, or I'm struggling, or I've hit a roadblock. Yeah. And the sooner, the better. <laughs> the sooner, the better. The safest table in the room. That is such a great aspiration from my perspective. Like create the safest table in the room. This, you are welcome. You are welcome here. We want to hear because this is how we get things done and how we grow mm -hmm. together. And, and then the other side of, or the other part of the juicy problem of clarifying my expectations. And if I hear there's dissonance, then my job is to bring it back into resonance. I'm just paraphrasing. So that's what yes. I'm hearing. And seeing that that is an art. And I'm seeing that as a, as, I, as, I, as you talk about it, not as something that is a once done, once and done. It's something that is a continuous journey. And as you started saying, it is hard. It's not easy. That's not It easy. is hard. And, and, and as I describe, especially the safest table, you know, in the room or the safest table to sit at, it can sound like soft or, you know, inviting. And it is. And a part of that invitation is the invitation to debate, the invitation to challenge. And that we're challenging the, the we're, we're looking at the problem, not the person. We're looking at 
the juicy problem to solve together and what we stand to learn as a team as a result of this problem we're trying to solve together. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, that's a misunderstanding and, and people will sometimes like revert back or pull back from the truth because debate is considered a bad thing instead of a part of the safety making. All ideas on the table, all disagreements on the table, um, you're, you're, you're able to really, again, safest table to, to debate at, safest table to disagree at, safest able to, to challenge one another. And I'm challenging your thought or your thinking. I'm not challenging you as a person because mm-hmm. we're on the same team, but we forget that. We forget that. So yeah. it's not, it's, it's a little loud. It's, it's a little messy, like safe allows for messy. Mm-hmm. Safe allows for realness. Safe allows mm-hmm. for challenge and debate. And, and having, getting to the truth more important than being right. Getting to the truth and the best idea more important than having it yourself. It's mm. ours. We, mm. we combined our thinking. We unleashed our collective genius, collective genius. Not mm. I paraded in with my genius. Mm. Bring your genius. We want it. hundred mm. percent. Mm. But put it together with the other people on the team. That's the opportunity. That's why we're in organizations. That's why we're in teams. Better together. Ah, yes. Standing in it. I, I hear such strength in what you're saying. Collective genius, standing, standing in truth together, not about being right, but actually the priority is finding the greater truth together. That's one of the purposes of being in a team. It's uh, as, if, as if you have brought this fascination of being truthful from very early age now into building a system of truthfulness unleashing collective genius that's that's what i'm hearing and what i'm also hearing in that is unleashing strength to do that yes like even if i notice how you're sitting or how i hear you speak i also notice this sense of strength and i wonder how you help others to access that strength because speaking your truth, even when the table is safe, is fierce. It requires something, in, at least my experience, it requires an inner resolve to do that, that can be buried in lots of other thinking <laughs> that weakens it. So I'm curious about how you help people to connect to that strength, to do it, to not be shy or to be shy i don't know mm. yeah sometimes you can be shy for sure yeah i i, I want to point to the fact that it's dynamic that, that this is a dynamic state it's not a constant state so it's not like you're standing in strength you know monday through friday you know saturday you can relax a little bit and then go back to strength on monday it's not that it's a place to return to mm. how do you return to yourself and again, it's, it's pointing back to the connectedness with yourself. Like, what, what do I think about this? What do I feel about this? How are my feelings informing my thinking and vice versa? Mm. Am I fully in this room? Am I fully committed to this team? Am I fully in this discussion? Strength is honoring yourself, but it's a place you return to. It's a groundedness. You can get lost in the looking good. We can get lost in the being right. Those are very human, like good job being a human, which is being human <laughs> and, and returning to what it means to be your best self, your most authentic self cleanly in, in a, in a team setting is finding your truth and speaking it. And, and you mentioned sort of the metaphor of like the mama bear a good mama bear is not just feeding her cubs. You know, she's teaching them how to, how to hunt and feed. A good mama bear is not uh, denying the dangers. <laughs> she's, she's pointing to them and saying, let's see how you navigate that. You might fall out of the tree. You may not catch that first salmon, but you keep trying, you keep trying, and I believe in you. It can actually look hard, even mean, strict, disciplined, core root of discipline is teaching, disciple teaching. Um, you're teaching. 
So it, it's not just about, I want to make sure that we're really clear that this is not for the faint of heart, as soft and warm and inviting as it sounds, it requires courage, core heart. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about seeing the best in someone and, and holding them to their potential, speaking the truth and, and trusting them enough, believing in them enough, respecting them enough to say what you see with conviction held lightly, with conviction held lightly, mm. that, that I respect you enough to not let a mistake or, or a path you're going down become a failure. I respect you that much. Mm. Mm. And I stay, I stay with you. Mm. I don't grenade you and say, good luck with that. Mm. And stay with you as you're processing. Then we problem solve together. And Brene Brown says this, um, and I, I may not say it exactly right, but I, I feel it in every cell of my body. The very things we hide from one another are the things that, that connect us the most, that bring us the most closely together. Mm. We don't feel more connected by somebody completely polished on stage, nailing it. I don't feel that connected to them. Mm. Tell me your story. Mm. That I feel connected to. Mm. Tell me how things are hard. I can relate to that. Mm. Tell me when you're pointing out some of my mistakes to help me get better at what I'm doing. Tell me how you've navigated your own. Remind me that you've had some because in that moment, I think it's only me. So it's not for the faint of heart. It, it, it's, it's messy. Connectedness can be messy, mm. yeah. but it's alive. Like, it, you yeah. know, part of what you're seeing is not just strength. It's actually, it's aliveness. Uh-huh. I'm, I am here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm here. I'm fully engaged. I'm in this room. I, 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 I feel it. Uh-huh. I was jumping up and down yesterday. Um, I love that I have a job that I can jump up and down. We were, we were doing an exercise where we sort of re-pitched ourselves to the company, you know, like we're, we're turning an inflection point for the organization. And I love that I could, I could say, I'm, it was a sports metaphor, which I'm not a sports person, but I could totally relate to. Like, I'm leaving it all on the field. Like, I, I'm fully here. Uh, it's not going to be perfect. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so boring trying to be perfect. And I tried for a long time. And I still get caught in that. Uh, that is not interesting. Uh, that is not interesting. You know what's interesting? Us being human together. Speaking of truth, well, I was totally wrong about that. Um, I believe in your potential. I'm going to help you get there. I'm trying to show up, walk in, and just do my best work. It's what our customers want. It's what our employees want. It's what our colleagues want. Yeah. It's what the world wants. Ah, I I feel that almost childlike enthusiasm. I'm leaving it all on the field. I'm here. Yes, let's do this. Oh, I love that. And then I'm thinking about truthfulness and also like i'm right here with you so how do you can you say a bit more about how do you work that because well as you know it can be when i have a strong opinion and you say the opposite of it part of me might leave the room saying ah well mm-hmm, you're just mm-hmm. this way we we will never meet <laughs> we live in a society that's highly polarized where this might be happening all the time. And now I can judge society for that. <laughs> so <laughs> me and the society, very convenient right now. I'm not owning. So how do you think about and how do you practice this? Because I really feel you do this. We've had some difficult conversations in our past, some conflicts, and yet we managed to stay by each other. Yeah. So so say say more about how do you do this? How do you do this? Uh, it's it's one of those, um, I feel, I mean, every time you ask me a, a hard question like that, I, I feel a little humble, like, who am I to talk about this? But I'm practicing. So I'm, I'm a person in practice. Yeah. Um, I said it earlier, so I'll reinforce this and say one more thing. Um, the disagreeing with the idea or the thought, not the person. Mm. Being even metaphorically on the same side of the table as we look at the issue 
instead of on opposite sides with the issue between us. Mm-hmm. If you're truly committed, if that's a relationship that you're protecting and if you're in the right space to do it, be on the same side of the table as you look at something together. Like, mm-hmm. I see this, you see this, okay. There's some skill to it that can be trained in. Like we build that into leadership development programs. It's a lot of the work that you do, a lot of the work that I do in culture development. But I would say that the biggest thing is the mental model. Mm. How do you receive when someone disagrees with you? Mm. And, and, it, and it's immediately like, what? You know, like, well, you know, that you do want to, the urge to leave the room. Like, what is required of you? What would you have to hold to be true for you to lean in and get excited? Mm. The same level of excitement is when you go on vacation, like name an exotic place you've been on vacation. Belize last week. Belize last week. Okay. So there's this, ooh, ah, so curious, not wrong. You, you were not asking yourself when you were walking through the streets of Belize, toes in the water in the sand, watching the people saying, why don't they look like Arizona? Why are they not like the Netherlands where I grew up? Why are they doing it this way and not that way? You weren't. Like, I, I, I know you're awe and curiosity, your ability to hold curiosity. So you're walking around saying, wow, fascinating. Tell me more. Interesting. So how does that work? So the mental model of getting excited when someone thinks about something in a way that you don't is a gift. Mm. The goal doesn't have to be to get to agreement per se, but to be excited about a different worldview that you're getting access to. Better together, smarter together. Hmm. Hmm. I think about that, getting excited, getting excited. Now, to take that, just a little, another little kernel on that, because I can do that in Belize or, (laughs) you know, because it's so beautiful or something like that. And then sometimes, sometimes people say things that I consider totally off base or maybe mm-hmm. even violent. Mm-hmm. How do you work with that? Um, the, the first thought that came to my mind, maybe it's a little bit the mama bear, but not on my watch. Oh. Not on my watch. So oh. there are times where if there is a uh, violence against someone, even a microaggression, can be mm. micro, it doesn't have to be macro, it doesn't have to be large. Yeah. Um, shutting down someone's ideas, someone repeating something that someone else said, perhaps a non-dominant group said earlier, reframing it, it being received by the group, and it wasn't received when they said it, it's exact same idea. To be able to pause action, this is live, not a pre-recorded program, we're interrupting programming, <laughs> like we immediately go in and say, I just wanna point out you know, that was Jason's idea. That was Anita's idea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She just said that. Just want to point that out. Uh-huh. Or to be able to say, I disagree wholeheartedly with what you just said. And let me tell you why. Uh-huh. Not just I disagree, period. You're wrong, period. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. And, and if you're feeling extra skillful that day, really make sure you understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Like a, that That's a lot of what we teach, you know, the... Tell me more. So you believe that. Is that right? Did I get that right? Like reflecting back what you've heard mm. so that you know that you're truly disagreeing with something that you, you first understand what you're disagreeing with, disagree. Yes. But when it when it's on the realm of just gross arrogance or mm. a microaggression or violence, not on my watch. Again, I can't look myself in the mirror at the end of the day. Yes. Um, having that been on my watch, not on my watch. Yes, 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 yes. That's yes. me walking my talk. No, yeah. nope, 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 no. Yes, yes. So it's so powerful. You're, we're, we're, we're sort of ending where we started the conversation about leaving the badge on the table. It's like, no. And I can feel in your no the curiosity at the same time about, so what is true here? If this is my no and that is your yes, what does that mean? What does that mean? And how can we still stay connected to ourselves and to each other and stay at the same side of the table? It's what I see yeah. you speak about. Yeah. 
So we're entering the final few minutes of this conversation. And as they always go when we're together, they go so fast. Any closing reflections that you'd like to share about connectedness or anything that strikes you today? I, I'm noticing um, how the conversation about connectedness brings such aliveness and, and deep connection. I know we already had a deep connection, Hoka. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think I want to reiterate a few things. Um, every time I say three things, I'll forget the third one. So I'll just say a few things. Um, uh, one is that connection with others starts with connection with yourself. So if you're feeling disconnected from the world, from your team, from your partner, your children, whomever it is that you're in relationship with, get connected with you. That's the, that's the first start. The second thing is you're, you're not actually in relationship if you're not speaking your truth. And I, I appreciate and have deep compassion for the skill required to speak it. But the window of opportunity to repair is always open. That window is permanently open. Mm. Say, I didn't say that right, what I was trying to say. But to speak it is, is a deep bow of respect for the people you're in relationship with. Mm. And then the third thing is that this is not easy. Like everything in our you know, neuroscientific and emotional makeup is designed to have us be loved. I know we say love, we don't like to say love in organizations, but you know, respect, corner office, zeros, whatever it is that you define success or you know, the, the, the self-esteem that we have. Everything about our body is designed to avoid pain to avoid the retraction of love, to uh, avoid the retraction of fitting in, belonging. So we, we're very clever. Like I am in awe at human beings, adaptivity and cleverness to create these adaptive strategies to stay in relationship. And I would say that a lot of those are false relationships and take a, a, an inventory, take a look at, you know, have I manufactured something by avoiding conflict and, and suppressing my truth and calling that a relationship. What are the true relationships that you want around you, both in your workplace, on your teams, and in your lives? Because you know what I feel, Hilka, the false polarity between life and work. Life clock does not go on pause and you go to work, people. So your life. So make sure that those relationships are connected through the connection with yourself. Thank you so much, Pamela. Um, thank you for listening to that record at the early age. Imagine all the people. And thank you for being such a lighthouse in connectedness. And today it really struck me how truly the window is always open. And you're one of those people that really embodies that, that uh, our best self is always here, whether it's in ourselves or the other person and definitely in all of us. Uh, and you, you keep that window open with so much strength. Thank you for being with us today. That gets us to the end of our conversation today with Pamela Matson, dear friend, now currently uh, SVP of People and Organization Development and Outreach. We talked today about how do we stay connected to our true selves. Uh, if you'd like to learn more or stay connected to this podcast, you can subscribe to Rooted and Unwavering in all the platforms. There's also online community calls, GLM community conversations on Zoom where we log in uh, and we have live conversations with whoever likes to be there so we can be in truthful dialogue with each other. In our next Root and Unwavering conversation, I will speak with Amit Basak, who is the chairman and president and co-founder of Full Potential Solutions, which is an offshoring and outsourcing company. Uh, wonderful man as well. And thank you again, Pamela, for being with us today that's it for today uh, thank you for being present with us listening uh, whether you ding it live or later on and being the best that we can be you've been listening to root and wavering where we help leaders to connect more deeply to their innate potential i'm your host hoka faber till next time
Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.